I've always had a yen for that. Um, somebody who really deconstructs the glamorous life of the big law firm uh, and shows it isn't glamorous at all. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lee Rawls, the ABA Journal's podcast editor. I'm here with Michael Asimo, who is going to share with us some of his picks for the best legal novels of 2013. Michael, could you please introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your own background? Um, okay. So my name is Michael Asimo. I'm a law professor at Stanford Law School. Um, pr prior to that, I was a professor at UCLA Law School for most of my career. Uh, for the last 10 or 15 years, I've been very interested in the subject of law and popular culture. That is the way law and lawyers are represented in film, television, and novels. I've always been interested in and try to read as many as possible of lawyer novels. So I teach a seminar, both a, an undergraduate freshman seminar as well as a law school seminar in law and pop culture. And I've written a teaching book called Law and Popular Culture, a course book, um, which is being used all over the world by people who are teaching the subject. So anyway, I've made quite an investment in this field of law and pop culture. Well, um, one of the reasons I wanted to have this discussion with you is that uh, this past year, 2013, we interviewed authors of all these legal nonfiction books, uh, whether they be memoirs or historical uh, accounts of legal events, things like that. Uh, but we didn't even really discuss any of the fiction that's come out. And I was given your name to t as someone to talk to by Paul Goldstein, who was our uh, prize winner for the 2013 Harper Lee Prize. He said that you pretty much read most of what comes out. Is that overselling it? What were some of your favorite books this year? Well, uh, I was a judge in the Harper Lee competition for uh, the best legal novel of 2012. Uh, but I did bow out because Paul Goldstein, who was one of the finalists, uh, is a good friend of mine, so I didn't feel that I, it, I really should be judging these books. Um, still, of course, I was very pleased when Paul won the award. I don't think anybody could read all of the legal fiction that comes out if you did nothing else. There's a vast, vast amount of it. So many writers uh, are trying to uh, imitate Scott Turow and John Grisham. Um, but I do try to read some of it, and, and uh, I'm happy to talk about what I have read. We should say our finalists this year were David Ellis for his book, The Wrong Man. And if anyone's interested, uh, we had a podcast with him last year for his book, The Breach of Trust, uh, which was the second in his Jason Coleridge series. The Wrong Man is his third. What did you think of this book? Oh, I enjoyed uh, The Wrong Man very much. I thought Ellis did a great job. He was uh, not a writer I was familiar with before I actually got that book in the mail. Uh, but I loved it. Um, he has an excellent, very well-characterized protagonist, Jason Coleridge, uh, or however it's pronounced. And th this particular book, The Wrong Man, uh, involves um, a lot of interesting themes, uh, a client with a serious case of PTSD. Um, but the book really morphs into a uh, terrorism-type thriller. Uh, it has lots and lots of what I really like to see, which is just the gritty details of law practice. What's it like to be a criminal defense lawyer? What's it like to have a very difficult client? And so I thought both on the level of character and plot that The Wrong Man did a great job. Along with The Wrong Man by David Ellis, we also had Defending Jacob by William Landay. Um, and uh, he was a runner-up. He did not win, but uh, we had many fans in the judges of this book. Did you happen to read it? Oh, yes. I, uh, so I read all three of the finalists for the, uh, for the Harper Lee Award. 
Uh, yes, Defending uh, Jacob is a terrific book. It was really well done. And, uh, um, here again, we have a protagonist, uh, Andy Barber. Um, Barber is a district attorney for, uh, for his whole life, um, but he changes sides when his son is accused of a murder of a classmate. So what you have in this book is lots of good trial details, uh, which I really enjoy. Uh, but as well, it's a very strong family saga. I think it will remind many readers of uh, Scott Turow's great book, Presumed Innocent. Uh, there's a lot in common with that. Um, very psychological, very family-oriented as a family falls apart uh, over the questionable guilt of their son in this murder. They learn all kinds of details that they never wanted to know about their son. Um, you learn about the presence of the murder gene, <laughs> um, which might involve inherited propensity to commit murder. Uh, and, and all in all, I, I think it's a terrific book. He did a great job. And I know Paul is your friend, so... Uh... Yes, yeah, so I, I, of course, Paul is my friend, uh, but notwithstanding that... But notwithstanding, let's talk uh, really briefly about Havana Requiem. Havana Requiem. So it, it's just great. I mean, I think, again, readers will love this. And it's, but it's, it's different because Paul Goldstein writes about an intellectual property lawyer, not a criminal defense lawyer. His protagonist, who has been involved in several earlier books, uh, is named Michael Seeley, uh, and Seeley's a partner in a big law firm. So unlike these other books that we've mentioned, which involve kind of solo criminal defense lawyers or, or prosecutors, uh, this one takes you into the big law firm environment. And, this, and I, what I, I liked about it a great deal were the, the vicious politics of the big law firm. And I, I think Goldstein does that very well. Unlike the others, uh, it's in an exotic setting. A good deal of it is set in Havana. Uh, it involves music copyrights. The, the client comes in to see him, and the client is a Cuban composer from the 1940s and 50s uh, whose copyright has been usurped by music publishing firms in America. And all he wants to do is get his copyright back, and he's speaking on behalf of a lot of other Cuban composers of the time. People, readers may remember the Buena Vista Social Club. We're, you know, we're talking about that kind of music, which obviously the copyrights are extremely valuable. And so in fighting for his client's right to terminate the, the music publisher's uh, interest in the copyright and get it all back, uh, we're plunged into a murder mystery, and a good part of it takes place in Havana, and you get involved in all kinds of interesting details uh, about Cuban politics, about American-Cuban relationships, about the State Department's role. So it's in that way, it's much richer and, and more innovative than the criminal defense stories, which are, you know, of course, the, the bread and butter of this genre. Do you think that a non-lawyer can write a convincing legal fiction novel? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, Michael Connolly is the best example of that. Um, and I hope that you'll ask me about uh, Connolly's new book. Uh, I absolutely do want to hear about Connolly's new book. Why don't you tell us about <laughs> it? Um, okay. So that's, that's, I guess, the newest of the books that I've looked at to get ready for this interview. Um, kind of, the book is called The Gods of Guilt. And The Gods of Guilt are the jury. So Connolly, as many readers will know, made his reputation writing police procedurals about an, a Los Angeles police detective uh, named Harry Bosch. Uh, but he's now written, I guess, four or five uh, lawyer mysteries, uh, in which the protagonist is a, a lawyer named Mickey Haller. A lot of people saw the movie, The Lincoln Lawyer, uh, starring Matthew McConaughey, which is based on the first of Connolly's 
legal novels. So The Gods of Guilt is, is I guess, the fourth or fifth. And I followed them closely. I'm a big fan of Connolly. I think he does a great job. Uh, and The Gods of Guilt is is really quite good. Although it's, you know, it's as good as The Lincoln Lawyer. I don't know. But, it, but it's pretty good. Uh, again, you have what I like to see, which are the, the gritty details of criminal law practice and what it's like for a struggling criminal defense lawyer uh, to actually get a big case and the biggest, one of the biggest nightmares, of course, is you actually believe that the client is innocent, despite a great deal of evidence against him. It's a complex plot, um, brings in a lot of cro uh, crooked cops, Mexican drug cartels, and, and a lot of details about the business of prostitution. So I, I think most readers who like this genre um, will definitely enjoy the, the uh, gods of guilt. But it's relatively new. It just came out in the last couple of months. So aside from Harper Lee Prize winners and Michael Connolly, what are your must-reads from 2013? Well, I, you know, I certainly start with these three books. These are all 2012 books published, uh, but the, the award came out in 13. So I certainly, uh, start, all the readers are all going to enjoy all three of these books. These are these are really terrific. Um, so I'll mention a few offbeat ones that you've probably never heard of, but which I enjoyed. I absolutely uh, want to hear all of these. And uh, so disclosing um, in advance, uh, I'm a friend of both of these authors. So one is by a Los Angeles lawyer named Charles Rosenberg, uh, and it's called Death on a High Floor. Uh, this is this is another book with, like Havana Requiem, which involves big law firm politics. And I, I've always had a yen for that, um, somebody who really deconstructs the glamorous life of the big law firm uh, and shows it. It isn't glamorous at all and involves a great deal of uh, petty jealousies and betrayals. Death on a High Floor involves the murder of a lawyer and the lawyers and, and another lawyer, the client here, is suspected of the crime, and it takes you into all kinds of other uh, interesting areas such as coin collecting. But it's a good inside law firm uh, type of novel that I think most readers will really enjoy. Uh, the other, quite different, uh, is by Lawrence Friedman. Uh, he's also a friend of mine and a law professor. So Friedman's books, and he's written a number of them, uh, the newest one is called Death of a One-Sided Man. Uh, his protagonist is Frank May, an estates and trust lawyer uh, here in the um, peninsula area, San Francisco Bay Area of California. And he's just a humble trust lawyer trying to do his job, but he always gets involved in vastly complicated will contests and things of that kind that are rooted deeply in the past and always involve uh, solving a couple of murders. So these, these are different in style, both because the lawyer is a trust and estates lawyer, which most people would find uh, distinctly unglamorous and unnovelistic, but also because they're written in Friedman's voice and they're much more of a sort of polite old style mystery. Um, of, say, the Agatha Christie or Dorothy Sayers variety. So Friedman, he doesn't go in for torrid sex scenes um, and huge amounts of uh, gory violence. So it's a different style. Uh, it's one that I like, however, even though I am I really do have a propensity for the, the gritty criminal defense lawyer, um, such as the ones in The Gods of Guilt uh, or The Wrong Man. Any books by women that you've read this year that you thought were particularly good? No, you kind of uh, hit bottom on me. I mean, the, Lisa Scottolini is always good in the genre. I don't know if she's done anything new. Um, now, of course, I have to confess 
that the big book in this area uh, is one I haven't read yet, and that's um, by Scott Turow, obviously the, the ab absolute best of all the law genre writers, in my opinion, by a good margin. Turow is the best. He's a great writer. Some of, his, some of his previous books are just classics of the genre, and he has a book called Identical, which has just come out, and I haven't read it yet, so I can't comment on it, but knowing the author, uh, I'm sure that I'll find it a wonderful read. Fantastic. This isn't uh, precisely a crime book, or it is a crime book. This is not a legal book, um, but uh, I myself would recommend uh, The Cuckoo's Calling by J.K. Rowling. It, uh, she is the author of Harry Potter, talking about a detective named Cormoran Strike uh, dealing with the British legal system. I thought was quite interesting. Anyway, just throwing that plug in there. Well, I'll certainly get it and read it. Cause the Cuckoo's I, I'm Calling. A, I was a big Harry Potter fan. It was written originally under the name Richard Galebraith, and it was interesting uh, to see the reviews that came in uh, when people thought it was written by a man named Richard Galebraith and when they knew it was by the woman J.K. Rowling, uh, author of the Harry Potter series. <laughs> right. Quite, quite different reactions. But, uh, yeah, I highly recommend that one. All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I really appreciate it. Well, Lee, it was my pleasure, and I hope you'll feel free to call me anytime. This podcast was brought to you by the ABA Journal. For more podcasts on the legal issues of the day, visit us online at abajournal.com or subscribe for free to the ABA Journal podcast on iTunes.